the dad business. And here is your host, Nigel T. Best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the dad business. It's me, Nigel T. Best, and it's it's a Sunday morning. I've got up a bit early to record this podcast episode because I could. <laughs> but welcome to the dad business. This is the podcast for all of you crazy enough out there who decided that being a dad and also being in business was a great idea. I hope it's going well for you. But the podcast is here to help share some reflections, some thoughts, share some great learnings or or top tips, whatever you want to call it, about how to try and get better at being both a dad and in business. It's not easy. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you've you've cracked it. You know what you're doing. Uh, I'd hazard a guess that not every day is a bed of roses, and it's sometimes you just need a bit of help or to know that you're not alone when you uh, have those days that don't go quite so well. And when I say when you know that you're not alone, this can be either being a dad or being in business, because for some sort of what would you call it balance, both of those things. Uh, it can be quite lonely, and you might feel that you're the only one experiencing it. Especially in business, if you're the if you're the head person and that your your team's not that big, or maybe you're you're uh, a solopreneur, you're doing it on your own. Sometimes you think to yourself, "Who the hell can I talk to? Is there anyone else out there?" And surely no one can be feeling exactly how I'm feeling at the moment. Chances are, though, they probably are. And they've probably worked it out or found out what does, doesn't work, and they're willing to share. And if we can get that on here, onto the Dad Business Podcast, then hopefully we're all in a better place. All right. That was a bit of a rambling intro. You probably realize that that's what I do. <laughs> Ramble. Ramble quite a lot. And I'm <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get going. Today's episode is... A bit of a, a personal one for me, and it, it's a weird one because it's crept up on me without me realizing it's happened incredibly quickly, and yet it was 18 years in the making. How can something be so fast and yet have taken 18 years? Well, we're going to find out today, and it is when your child becomes an adult in other words, they have their 18th birthday. Oh, my goodness me. I'm just taking a moment to pause because even when I say it, it doesn't seem real. And I know that there's probably a lot of you out there who've already got children who've gone past the age of 18 and are technically an adult. And you now find yourself, uh, for me, uh, there's some bloke living in my house. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's a bloke living in my house now. Uh, but yeah, when they get to 18, it, it's kind of, you can't really stop them doing anything at that point, pretty much. I know in uh, probably some parts of the world that you, you've got to be 37 and three quarters or something to do something. But for the vast majority of things, 18 is pretty much it. And it is a strange situation. So I thought today we'd reflect back on it. And I'm going to give you three, three key things that I've learned over those 18 years, and some of them are maybe not so great from a, you know, personal point of view, but also you might be thinking the same and you might be trying to beat yourself up over it as well. And 
is that always the best thing? Um, no, I don't reckon it is. But anyway, let's go right back. Let's go back in time, back 18 years or so, when you are uh, waiting, waiting for the day, and you've got the date, and you're waiting, and uh, you know the excitement. Everyone has been telling you things. They are talking about, oh, this will happen, that'll happen. If you, if you, you'll get your sleep in early. So if if you're about to become a dad, people will always tell you, get your sleep in early. If only you could bank sleep, you can't. Uh, but. There you go. You, but these things, they're all buzzing around your head 18 years, 18 plus years ago. You're waiting. You're waiting for that day. You've got you've got the time and date, supposedly, that this will happen. And then uh, for us, so it's, it's Matthew, our eldest, who's turned 18. And he was meant to appear and he didn't appear that day. He didn't appear the next day or the day after that 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 or the one following that. The one after the one following the one that followed that. In fact, he was about eleven days late. Eleven days late. That is that is tough in itself. Just waiting for that because all sorts of things start going through your mind as to you know what's going on. But finally, the moment comes and you go in and everything happens in a blur. You remember very specific key things that are very vivid in your memories for me it was after he was born and he he sort of wriggled his fingers and I they looked quite long fingers and I, I think I've got quite long fingers and he sort of wriggled those fingers and it was my first thought he's going to be a piano player now what a bizarre thought and I think that was because someone had once said to me uh, to me personally, when they saw my fingers, oh, you got lovely long fingers, you're going to be a piano player. And I just, I thought, fabulous. Not too sure what that entails, but um, I, I know for a fact now, uh, all the, these years later, that um, if you don't actually ever have a piano lesson or a piano or practice or give it a go, you will never become a piano player, long fingers or not. And so I was, I said this, I just repeated this phrase. Ah, oh, look at his fingers. He could be a piano player. The weird thing was, I don't think I had any intention of, um, you know, sitting him down and and oh, I couldn't teach him or getting him set up for it. So that's a bit bizarre. Anyway, th yeah, these weird things, it happens. What a joyous occasion! Baby is there, uh, mum and baby doing well. That is such a relief, a huge relief, and um. You, you sort of think, wow, and it, it's all a bit odd. And I, I remember Sally saying that, um, you know, because the hospital, I don't know if anyone else has had this, where the hospital tries to turf you out, where you feel it's far, far too early uh, to be turfed out. And uh, we'd, we called him Matthew. I think oh, this, is where the, this is where you can't even remember things, but I think we decided we'd call him Matthew. I'd had other names, but he just didn't seem to look like one of those. So we we picked Matthew. And Sally said, right, we are not leaving this hospital until you show me how to bath him. And if for anyone that's bathed a newborn or a 
uh, a few month old child that's uh, able to wriggle when you put them in those little baths those little child baths or or in your big bath whatever it is and they're a bit soapy man that's like trying to hold on to a bar of soap in there under again under again this kid is going to be an underwater swimming specialist before it's two that's how it felt <laughs> and and this was it so before we left hospital it had to be that we knew what we were doing. Now, you cannot in two days know what you are doing, nor be taught it, nor anything else. However, we did have a few things. But then it's a case of, okay, you can go home. And I nipped out to get the car to bring it around to the entrance. And you get one of those baby seats, you know, these things that are meant to fit into the cars. And obviously going back 18 years, they're not as clever and as sophisticated and a high tech and as amazing as they are now. And and this one had been, my sister had used it. And you put him in, you strap him in, yeah, we got that. And you walk out, proud parents with a baby, people sort of looking, nodding, smiling, thinking you're not going to sleep for a month, yeah, and all the rest of it. And we get to the car. And it was one of those weird situations where I was, for some reason, I was looking over my shoulder. And the only thing I can put it down to is I was convinced that somebody, somebody with a bit of sense, somebody with a bit of authority would come out of their hospital and say, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We made a terrible mistake. You two clearly are not qualified to look after a child. You haven't got a clue what you're doing. Um, please hand the child back in. Would you mind um, getting lost? And I would, in my head, I thought that was it because all these years, you you kind of, if you're going for a job, you don't get the job unless you've got the qualifications for it. If you if you're in school, you can't do this until you've done that. And and every way you're told in society that you're going to be held back if you haven't got the qualifications, you're not going to be able to do that if you don't do this first. And I'm thinking I've done nothing. I didn't do any of these classes up front. Um, never went to any of those. And so yeah. They let me loose. Anyway, we're trying to fit this seat, trying to fit this seat into the, into the car. And it was, how, how the hell do you do it? I, I realized I'd never actually attempted to do it. And the seatbelt's trying to fit through slots and round the back. And it's meant to be tight. And it wasn't. And it was wobbling. And, and in the end, I just said, Sally, get in. Get in. Hang on to it. We're out of here. And I drove that car out of there like I'd stolen it. And what a crazy thing. No one was going to stop me. They're only going to stop me for speeding, probably. But then after about half a mile, I suddenly realized, hold on, hold on. I've got someone else here that is my responsibility when I'm driving. And you slow right down. You slow almost down to a crawl. You slow almost down to the point where you are stationary because you don't want any to hit anything and anything to happen. But we make it home. We make it home. And suddenly... People say that they have a change in outlook on life. That it, it it changes their life, and I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It really does because suddenly there's something else that depends on you, that relies on you, that is. Um, and I'm I mean totally dependent on you. And and I when I say you, I mean me and Sally. And that is that is really really weird but a lot of people and i think i'd agree um 
a lot of people feel it very strongly that it gives you a bigger reason, a bigger reason why why you do things. And and now you're not doing it so much for yourself, but you're doing it for someone else. And yeah, that that definitely has a changing outlook. And you know, you, you go through in your head, you go through all the things that you're going to do for them, all the things that you're going to do with them. You know, all these things that you're going to do, you're going to do this and that, and you're going to spend all this time doing this thing and that thing, and and how you're going to dedicate this, and you're going to be, you know, spending all these hours doing this and training them for this and and showing them that and all these well-intentioned, great ideas that I think these days come even more from social media. And one of the things, one of the biggest issues I think is the the pressure that a new parent will feel to do it how society thinks you should it should be done. Uh, all the pressures that come on you and, and how you should spend time and you should do this and you should do that and oh you mustn't do that and that your child should be walking at five months and it should be brushing its two teeth by eight months and oh if you child hasn't said its first word by its 12 months it's going to be stupid and all these weird things come rushing out flooding out surrounding you and it's it's kind of crazy and and you think to yourself well look i have got all the time in the world to do all of these things and more and more and looking ahead it seems like these things will take forever you know it seems to you go in these stages, so the you know the first ones, depending on the size of the baby, is you know the first nap is and then the uh, tiny baby one or the newborn one or you know when they move up or when you buy different nappies or uh, diapers for our American friends out there, you know when you buy the next size up, oh things are growing. The first baby grows, the first clothes, you know these are little stages and these seem to take forever seem to take forever but i can tell you now just reflecting 18 years on those things go in a flash an absolute flash and there are there's an awful lot of them that blur as well into recollections that aren't quite so clear and um, dates and times that you think will stick with you forever and I'll never forget this moment and I'll always remember this time and some of them you absolutely do but some of them you don't and you think I'll write a journal I'll write it all down and you write it for a bit and then you don't or you don't even get started and then you think oh, I'll take all these pictures and back then there weren't the digital cameras and there weren't smartphones, uh, anything like that. And so it was much harder and you took far fewer. And then you got them developed and you put them in a pack and you put them in the bottom drawer and maybe you open them up a, a long time later. And we've been looking back at some now because it's his birthday, 18 years. We've been looking back over that and they do bring back memories. They really do. So photos are very precious and and. The kids always say it to me now, uh, they say, oh my goodness, you take photos of everything. And it's simply because the photos help you tell the narrative of of what went on. And whilst they can't convey emotions, sometimes they can prompt the emotions to come flooding back as to what happened on a particular day in a particular place. 
And um, it's amazing. And also, you look back and you can't believe how much you yourself have changed, and as well as your kids. And, you know, it's amazing. But it's only when you lay those photos out and you put them across a desk or a tabletop or something and you go from baby to 18 and if you did it one for each year 18 photos you can scan across those in seconds and looking back that's how fast it feels like it's gone and there are times when you definitely wish you could go back and have you know gone back and and just paused and taken it in a little bit more um, but there we go. So the oldest turning eighteen. Wow, what what a roller coaster of emotions! And there was none more than on uh, the eve of his birthday. Uh, he was about to go to bed, and I just gave him a hug, a really big hug. And I said to him, "I said this is the last time I'm going to hug you as a child." And he, he sort of looked at me and just shrugged his shoulders as kids do and just sort of went, yeah, <laughs> and that was it. But for me, that was really quite emotional. Um, looking back, it was emotional in the fact that 18 years previously, I'd been able to hold him in the palm of my hand. And now he's over six feet tall and... I'm giving him a hug and, um, you know, the physical difference is very striking. But it was it was that point of that hug was the last one for me and him as my child. And the following day, he was going to wake up and be an adult. Now, he's always going to be my child. And I know people are going to be saying, he's always your child. Yeah, I get that. But it was almost... It's that moment in time where there is another transition to another stage, another point in his life. And yeah, you are always, uh, I think, as a parent, as a dad, uh, trying to get things ready for the next stage. And uh, to flip that into business, we are the dad business, into business. There's always that stage where uh, if, if the business is your baby and you are looking to build a team and looking to recruit people and you're looking to hand things over. So delegate some of the things that you've done and you've built up and you've spent an awful lot of time uh, and you're handing that over to someone else. You are almost giving your business one last hug as your thing before you share it with other people. And that, well, it's strong enough to prevent a, a lot of people actually even doing that. And it's taken uh, me a long time to be able to hand over things to other people. Um, but what you realize is when you do do that, that they flourish even more. And they grow into that and, and they're ready for it. You know, Matthew 18, he's ready to move on. He really is. And and that's one of the weird things. But in that moment as well, in that hug as well, it's the past and the the memories from that, but also that question as to what does life hold for you? What's the world going to be like? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Nobody. But all you want is the best. The best for your child and for everything that's there and whether that's, you know, 
you want as many doors to be open to them or you want to encourage them to try as many things as possible or build a career, build a business, do whatever you want. You know, you just want it to be happy and enjoyable. That's the thing. You don't want life to to be tough or or bad. You want it to be good. You want it to be really good. And you want that with every fiber of your being. You want it to be good. But then at the same time, so cracky, an awful lot happens in a hug, doesn't it? Um, but I guess it's one of those moments, you know, where an awful lot of things can go through your brain at, at, at super fast speed. And the question there was uh, one for me, and it was a question of did I do a good job getting him through his childhood? Did I did I do a good job raising my child? How do you answer that? In my heart of hearts, I feel I'm sure I could have done a hell of a lot better. I really do, but I've had um, three people we've been to uh, out with some friends, went to uh, another friend's uh, 50th party, and um, there was someone else who was who'd met Matthew. Um, I think it was whilst we were working on the battlefield laser tag that we do, and I had three different people. I'm, I'm just pausing because how do you, how do you put all this together? I had three different people who came up who said, um, "Congratulations, what a wonderful young man he is," and that, yeah, that that, that really um, that's very kind of them. First of all, to say it, but that's wonderful to hear. And uh, I'm I'm very blessed, but the, it still comes back to the case of did I did I do a good job? Um, and I think I uh, I'm sure I could have done better. Uh, one of my the weird thing is one of my loves was golf, and I used to love playing golf with my dad. Um, spent a lot of time doing that with him, and I I loved it, and I always wanted that with uh, me and Matthew and. I I didn't really push it. My dad never pushed me. I didn't really push it. I wanted him to want to do it. I didn't want to force him to do it. And um, it didn't happen until he was about 16 and a half when he decided he'd have a bit of a go, uh, which was delightful. But all those things where I was thinking right at the beginning, 18 years ago, I'm going to make him do it. You know, make him. It was almost like I'm going to make him do this. Sally always laughs. Because I said I always wanted kids so I could brainwash them. Um, yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> you can't brainwash them. You can influence them. You can expose them to uh, some really good things, uh, some really positive things, and I hope that that makes it. But as for brainwashing them, God, I can't even get them into the car to go to school. It's, um, you know, you're on a loser there. But it, it's weird. You You'll reflect on it, and you'll be forever thinking to yourself, did I, did I, did I, didn't I, what was it, what should I have done more of, less of, should I have helped here? And so I want to just come on to probably three reflective key learnings, uh, which are very much me and uh, not necessarily you, but if these sound like uh, you are on that same thing as well, then um, and it, your kids are still fairly young, we've all got time to change. And I've got two more kids um, and... <laughs> Am I getting worse as a dad or better? Oh, geez. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. And I'll, I'll leave that for another one. But first of all, number one, the first thing is, before you've had kids, it doesn't matter what someone says to you. You cannot even begin. You can't even begin to understand how it changes your life. And it changes it so much that I cannot think back to anything where um, it, it's, the feeling isn't, is that I didn't have kids. Yes, I say, oh, yeah, that was before I had kids. But it changes you so much that you can't actually uh, separate the fact that you've you've got uh, a child with the time before you had the child. It's almost as if you've always had the child and, and you can't Im- you can't imagine not having the child uh, nor never having the child. So no memories of the child. It, it all blurs. But it changes you on that basis. It changes you on a physical basis. It changes you on a, how you approach life. And it changes you into someone who is obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed, and I still am, with something happening to them. Um, you, you're just absolutely paranoid. Uh, about them hurting themselves and these parents who let their kids do amazing uh, things so easily and just let them go off and I don't know climb the bookshelves and climb onto the house roof or whatever crazy things it is and they're so relaxed over it wow I wish I was as relaxed I've just I just can't on things like that and I do try and get better and I do try and encourage them to try things but that doesn't mean it's any easier, does it? You are so protective of them. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay, number two. So that's number one. You can't even begin to understand how it changes your life. You can't. Number two. And this is an important one. Um, and I wrote this out and I thought, is this a bit of advice for, for my kids for the future? Well, maybe. But do not mistake working hard and long hours as being better for you or your family than spending time with your kids. I do personally regret my loyalty to the job, to the business, but I find it very hard to choose me over business and work. And I think this is the struggle that anyone that's in the dad business will find that they wrestle with having two children, one, the physical child, and two, the business child. And... When you are there, you wanted. I wanted to set an example to to everyone that I worked with in the team that you know I was dedicated and I was willing to put the hours in. Looking back on that, I probably spent too much time doing that when I could have shared that workload with other people, people that would have enjoyed doing those particular jobs, um, would have given uh, someone the job to do it, probably would have done better, uh, and I could have shared a little bit more time. And that goes for booking holidays, um, just just doing things, just being around, just doing those key things. Now, there were, there were times when I did a lot and there were times when I did very little. And that kind of reflected and mirrored the business. But I would say to you, do not mistake the, those that hard work and long hours. Um, really, really consider that. Yeah, number two there. Um, spend time. Spend. I know you may spend quite a lot of time, but just spend a bit more time. And when you're there, be there. This thing about being present. This thing about don't don't get distracted. Don't um, be somewhere else. Uh, it's it's very difficult. 
Very difficult to do. Number three. I mentioned it already. But um, I can say it. You can say it. Everyone can say it. But without doubt, you will never truly appreciate it until it's happened. And that is that time really does fly. And when I say I can say it, you can say it, everyone can say it, well, we do. We say it to each other, we say it to ourselves. The voice in your head is saying, time flies. Oh, wow, gosh, I can't believe it's Sunday again, or I can't believe it's the summer again, or Christmas again. Wow, only seems like two minutes since last Christmas. Yeah, this is what happens, and it seems to get faster and faster and faster. Nobody I've spoken to feels that uh, time slows down as you get older. The very opposite, indeed. But the weird thing is, when you're a kid, it, it, it's, it's wasted breath, isn't it? And when you're young, it's wasted breath because you do look uh, to a very distant horizon and you think that, you know, it's going to go on forever. It's only as <clears throat> the, the sands of time begin to run out or something uh, happens that is fairly dramatic. So if, if any of you out there have been in the awful situation where somebody has, has been given a a, a finite period of life left, boy, that really focuses your, your mind and makes you try and seize every moment you've, you've got remaining. And it's almost like the conversation is pointless. Um, telling people that time flies is, is almost pointless. I think there's better ways to do it, and that is uh, let's just do it and let's just enjoy it and let's just have it create a memory. And I do, I have told Matthew, uh, you know, when he's had these occasions where he's sort of, oh, I'll stay at home. It's no, 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 come on, come on out. Because otherwise all those days where you stay at home uh, and do nothing at weekends um, blur into one. And those where you've actually done something are a memory and they're the memories that you look back on on your life. And it it's, so how do we do it? I would say don't tell people time flies. You know it does. You don't need to tell anyone else. You don't need to tell yourself again. It, you need to tell yourself, seize this moment. So when you sat there and you're thinking, ah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, make yourself. Make yourself stand up and just do it today. Do it now. And I'm telling myself this because I'm rubbish at doing it. And I beat myself up over doing it, not doing it. Um, but there you go. We're all the same, but that's the thing. Three key learnings. It doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself time flies, you still ignore it. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? But there we go. Um, so my final thoughts. My final thoughts come back to kind of a combination of this. And it could be where you are um, or where you find yourself going. And it's just to reflect on it for a moment, to pause and think. And, and it's this, my final thought is whenever you face that decision to stay late at, at the office, at the business, um, wherever it might be that you're, you're working or whatever you're doing, or so the decision is to stay late there, or it's to go to the school event, maybe the school play maybe the school match, whatever it is, just ask yourself, consequence 
and memory. So, what are the consequences of your decision on your business and on your child and family? And which will you remember and which will your child remember? And is that some a good thing to remember or a not so, such a good thing to remember? So the consequences. I look back at it, and at the time I thought, I've got to stay at work. I, I need to get this done. This is super important. I look back at it, and, and sometimes I would stay, and I still wouldn't get it done. And the consequences weren't that dramatic. In my head, they were huge. But in reality, they weren't necessarily. And I did miss some things. Maybe uh, coming home early enough to do something in the evening before kids go to bed. And you think about that and you say, okay, well, the consequences were, you know, I felt that the business would suffer, but it didn't. I didn't think of the consequences of not spending the time with my kids, uh, not playing a game, not doing something silly, whatever whatever it is. Uh, and the consequences of that are that occasionally the kids do say, well, you're never here. Now, I find that a really harsh thing for them to say. But Kids have a way of just perceiving 10% and of what goes on and saying that that happens all the time. And I think to myself, okay, what are the consequences? Well, for the business, the business still happened. Whatever was going to happen in the business happened in the business. And I know it, it. I know that's very hard to feel that that is, you know, the business will fail without me. Mm, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it will. But more often than not, it probably won't. But what about your kids? The consequences to the business are minimal. Consequences to your kids might be higher. And it's one of those things where you sort of, you, you wonder, okay, the memories. I don't really remember all those times that I spent at the office. Uh, and I would sure as hell would prefer to have had more memories with my kids growing up than I would of sitting in the office trying to sort something out. Um, and I do wish that I'd been able to tell myself that a good number of years ago. So my final thought is when you're faced with, do I do stuff for the business? Do I do stuff for the family? Just consider what are the consequences for the business and your family of that decision and which memories do you want to have? And I'm sure this probably a number of occasions, not all, a number of occasions where you could swap that time at the office for coming back and spending it with your family. So there we go. On that bombshell, something, as I say, a bit of a reflection. This has been the kind of weird, weird emotional roller coaster of what happens when your child becomes an adult. And this is me, Nigel T. Best. And yeah, let's yeah, wishing my eldest Matthew and anyone else who's got a child who's turning 18, wishing you all a wonderful, happy, healthy and long, successful and all the rest of it, loving life for whatever happens to you as an adult. So there we go. This has been Nigel T. Best. It's the dad business. I hope you, thank you for tuning in today. And I hope you tune in again next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now.